Section 8 of Shen of the Sea, a book for children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kimmy Weldon. Shen of the Sea, a book for children, by Arthur Bowie Chrisman. Many Wives This is the story that Kung Lin tells, hour after hour, in the peaceful shade of Velvet Rings Often Temple. The people have relish for Kung Lin's favorite story and give him much money. The tattered old fellow sometimes receives as much as five cents in a single day. So outrageously fortunate is Kung Lin, the teller of tales. He does no work of any kind whatsoever, merely sits in the shade and talks, and hears the tinkle of coins in his bowl, and hears the people saying, It is well told, Kung Lin. Here is some money, and I hope you find it as good as your story. Not all makers of yarns find such sympathetic hearers. As the story is given by Kung Lin, there once lived a maiden named Radiant Blossom, and she was still more lovely than the loveliest maiden. The face of Radiant Blossom was shaped like a seed of the melon. It was regularly oval, wide at the brow, small as to chin. The maiden's eyebrows were like a leaf of the willow. Her eyes resembled the heart of an apricot. Her lips in color made cherries seem pale. Her feet were three-inch golden lilies, and when she walked, she swayed as a poplar sways in summer zephyrs. Furthermore, she was skilled in embroidery. Her fingers coaxed sweetest music from flute and lute. Her voice had its only rival in a fountain of the palace where water plashes on tuneful silver keys. A brief description, this, but even so, where, within the province of many rivers, journeying by boat of two sails or three, could one look for a maiden to surpass Radiant Blossom, daughter of Ming-Chi, red-button Mandarin, and proud? Hear now of the reigning emperor Wong Sing. That illustrious monarch was having a fine time in the ruling of his realm. He dined in heavy armor and slept with a saddle for pillow. It was war here and battle there and fighting in between. A dozen of his generals were in revolt. No sooner was a rebellion put down than two new ones, and worse, took its place. And there was trouble elsewhere outside the empire. Fierce barbarians, led and inspired by their haughty chieftain Wolfhart, grew every day more impudent and threatening. Wolfhart openly boasted that with the coming of pleasant weather, he intended to leap his horse over the great wall. Is it any wonder that Wang Sing's noble beard soon took on a hue like that of the lime which boys splash on fences? But Wang Sing was no weakling monarch to lose his crown and his head, saying, It was willed by the fates, what else could I do? he called in a fearless old counsellor known as Ching Who Speaks Only Enough. Said the emperor, Good Ching, although you are ever up to your ears in a book, perhaps you have heard of my numerous troubles. A new one, I think, every day. What, wise Ching, is the cure? Ching Who Speaks Only Enough replied, Marriage. The emperor raised his eyebrows. Marriage? He could hardly believe it. Marriage to put down rebellion? A pause. Huh. Ching repeated, and a trifle louder. Marriage! Still the emperor doubted. What? Marriage? Will marriage cause Wolfhart to sheathe his sword? Marriage to tame the barbarian? It is foolishness. But surely I misunderstand your words. But indeed he did not, and there was only one word. Marriage. That was all the advice most mighty Wong Sing could get from word stingy old Ching who speaks only enough. However, is not enough always enough? Is not a word to the wise like melon seeds planted in fertile ground? 
A little study soon convinced the puissant Wang Sing that old Ching had given good advice. Immediately he acted upon it. He wrote to every Mandarin of any consequence within the bounds of his empire. The letters are too long to quote, but the sum of them was this. I, Wang Sing, ruler of the earth and the moon and three-fourths of the sun, will consider it a favor to receive your beauteous thousand pieces of gold in marriage. Every Mandarin replied by sending to the palace a daughter. No magic could have stopped the rebellions quicker. Revolt was at an end. Could a rebel leader, no matter how determined, continue to rebel when all his colonels and majors and half of his captains were fathers-in-law to the emperor? It was impossible. The fighting was over in a twinkling. Marriage had done it. For months came damsels to the royal palace. And what damsels they were. Short and tall, lean and stout, young and old, perfect beauties and perfectly horribles, they came and came and came. It is hard to number them with exact figures. Some histories say that five thousand maids came to Wong Sing, his wives-to-be. Others vow to ten thousand. But why quarrel over a difference of a few thousand wives? The point is that they were numerous. Wong Sing was out of pocket several tons of gold for the construction of a wing to the palace for housing them all. Probably fifteen thousand was the correct figure. Surely the worst guesser in the world would in time conclude that the beautiful radiant blossom was among the Emperor Wang's twenty thousand wives. Of a certainty she was. Radiant Blossom came to the palace in the month of ripening apricots. It was midwinter before she so much as glimpsed her lord and master, the emperor, and then she saw him only for a moment, at a distance. For Wang Sing was very like the old man, or was it a woman, who lived in a sandal, or whatever it was. He had so many wives he scarce knew what to do. And is it any wonder? Imagine a staid and settled old bachelor's sudden gain of five or thirty thousand, or more, wives. Poor Wong admitted a few dozen of them to a reception, and in less time than it takes to tell, all of the palace physicians were busily binding ice to his fevered brow. They thought his mind was shattered. After that experience, the emperor was more careful. He summoned the court artist, one Lo Yang, and said, Lo Yang, I desire you to paint truthful portraits of all my wives. When the paintings are finished, bring them to me that I may decide which maid is most beautiful. Her I shall take as my really truly bride. Now, Lo Yang was an artist of ability and no denying, but he was a scamp and a half. The first portrait he painted was that of Ying Ning, a monstrous ugly maiden. But Ying Ning was quite rich. And liberal. She gladdened Lo Yang's dishonest palm with gold, and he portrayed her as marvellously beautiful. Of all Lo Yang's paintings, the portrait of Ying Ning is most sightly. Yet she was the very ugliest of Wang Sing's many wives. By and by it came Radiant Blossom's turn to sit for a portrait. Lo Yang suggested that for a moderate weight of gold, say ten pounds, he could make his brush fairly outdo itself. Radiant Blossom refused with indignation. Bribe you? To paint me as I am not? Never. Lo Yang begged for pardon. He seemed extremely penitent. He vowed that he would do his best work. But when the portrait was finished, it was enough to frighten the blind. The shameless rascal had made of lovely radiant blossom a gruesome crone, a witch, a slattern. Upon beholding it, the emperor covered his eyes with a sleeve. Horrors! Horror of horrors! Remove it instantly! Go! Go! Take it away! Such repulsive ugliness! 
It is a mere waste of words to add that Radiant Blossom was not chosen to be Wong Sing's own really truly and well-beloved bride. The braggart barbarian chief failed of his promise to leap over the Great Wall. Knowing that Wang Sing's armies were united and staunch, Wolfheart boasted no more, and his impudence was hushed. He thought it just as well to keep the peace. And when Wang Sing doubled-doubled his armies, the barbarian sent thick letters in which every line told of his long-felt love and respect for the emperor. He had the audacity to ask Wang for a wife, from the imperial palace. Of course, that was purest impudence in a way, though Wolfheart probably thought that he was being extremely nice. The emperor read in amaze. For a moment it seemed that his face would burst into flame so red it got. Then he smiled. A wife? To be sure I will send him a wife. Chancellor, what is the name of that maiden whose picture is so terrible? Radiant Blossom? Bid Radiant Blossom prepare for a long journey. I am sending her to the barbarian to be his wife. Ho, ho, ho! What a jest! I should like to hear Wolfheart's rage when he views her. Ugh, I shudder when I think of that horrible crone. The maiden Radiant Blossom heard her sentence without the faintest stir of emotion. There came no pallor to her cheeks, no tremble moved her lips. Seemingly it mattered not at all to her. And while the other maidens wept for her fate, she smiled and brushed the string of her lute, humming, Butterfly that pleasured yesteryear. A few hours more, and Radiant Blossom was seated in a gilt and lacquered sedan chair, borne by poles on the shoulders of royal slaves traveling in haste toward the setting sun. Poor Radiant Blossom, hastening into exile, pressing toward her doom to become the bride of a vandal. Not dew, but tears from the darkness descended. The nightingale's song was a sobbing of pity. The very trees that lined the road sowed deep despair. To the river. To the river where on the farther shore waited Wolfheart, the slaves hurried through the night. His Majesty Wong Sing dressed him in rough clothing, and by another highway made even greater speed to the river. He wished to be near when their barbarian greeted his bride. He wished to gloat over Wolfheart's surprise and furious resentment. Expecting a youthful and lotus-like maiden, how the barbarian would rave to behold a withered hag. His Majesty, the Emperor, expected to receive more than a little pleasure to pay him for the adventure. The light sedan that bore Radiant Blossom sped down to the river. A flower-hung sampan was waiting. The slaves put down their burden. Oars splashed. The shore sprang back. The swifting current was deep beneath. Did the curtains of the gilt sedan flutter aside? Was it a spirit that glided so quickly from the royal sedan? A slave shouted warning. His cry was taken up by the others. The oars stopped short in stroke. Torches flared. The boat listed heavily on its side as men swarmed to the railing. They talked in frightened squeaks. Where? squeaked one. There! from another. And I see nothing. She is gone. Drowned. The river took her to be his bride. Drowned. And our necks will pay. Wolfheart uncovered his wrath in all its blackness. He spoke with such fury that Wong Sing became frightened and offered to send another bride, a dozen brides. The barbarian refused to accept brides. He demanded gold, much of it. Gold, he said, could not leap into the river, and even if it did leap from a boat, it would not necessarily be lost. For that matter, a maiden may leap from a boat and not necessarily be lost. Radiant Blossom had passed her early days in the province of many divers. Her home had been a river. 
She knew the waters as a friend. Having leaped from the boat, Radiant Blossom permitted the river to hide her for long. Deeply she swam, and the clouded current was a veil. At last, when she knew that the torches were far behind, she arose. The night was another veil. To the hut of a fisherman went Radiant Blossom. She received coarse clothing that made of her, in look, a different maiden. Thus clad, she journeyed to the home of her father. Some time later, a portrait was brought to His Majesty, the Emperor Wang Sing. The portrait was that of a beautiful maid. It bore no words. Wang Sing offered much gold to any person who could tell him the name of one so beautiful. The maiden would make him a superlative wife. He wished to find her. But he never did. End of section 8